Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Voyeur Chats Podcast with your hosts, Emma Jo Wassink and me, Kelsey Pasma. Today, we have Sarah Glidewell on the episode today. She is, first of all, the queen of passive income. She runs an Airbnb business. They have Airbnbs themselves, and she owns a design business strictly focusing on Airbnbs. So, We had a very, very interesting and inspiring conversation about passive income and why she has found it so important in her life and how it set her up to be exactly where she wants to be right now and given her so much freedom. We ask her questions like, how do you simply start? How do you know if it's for you? And she also shares so many good resources that I truly can't believe that you're getting this episode for free today. So Take it all in, especially if you've ever been interested in Airbnb or passive income in general. This is a must listen for you, or maybe you've never thought about it, and today might be a wake-up call and a really cool opportunity for you to learn about something you could invest in. So anyway, also need to throw a little caveat in there. I was having some fun technical issues on my end, so Emma really carried this episode, so thank you, Emma. Um, but I think you're going to love Sarah and we can't wait to introduce you to her. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey, hey friends, I'm Kelsey and I'm Emma and you're listening to Foyer Chats. Here in the foyer, we talk all things business, lifestyle, and everything in between. Come for the coffee shop style chats, leave with a fire under your booty to take on all the things. All right, Emma, you ready to dive in? Heck yeah, let's go. Hey, hey, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on today. So short notice. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yes, we're super excited to chat all things passive income and Airbnb. Um, What's kind of cool about this one is all three of us, Kelsey, myself, and Sarah, went to the same college, and that's kind of how we got to know each other. And we all have completely different businesses, so <laughs> this is kind of fun. Most different. Yeah. Yeah. Things are coming full circle. <laughs> they really are. All right, Sarah, let's just dive right in. Can you tell us all about you, how you got started in this career path, what it looks like, all of that? Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, hello, I'm Sarah. Um, I am all things Airbnb and Airbnb design. Um, I guess what led me to Airbnb was the fact that it was passive, Um, like truly passive income. And for me, the idea of uh, showing up to work every single day and hoping for maybe a 3% raise every single year just wasn't cutting it. Um, And ultimately, I'm you know, self-motivated. So I was like, how can I turn something into, you know, something that I can build on instead of showing up every single day? Um, And Airbnb just seemed to be the first avenue that really uh, took off. And it seemed to scratch every single itch that I had entrepreneurial wise and design wise. So uh, ever since we started, it's just been full steam ahead Airbnb. And, uh, you know, I have no regrets with it. It's something that I think that I'll probably chase for the rest of my life. So so this we didn't I didn't even ask you this question before, but do you only do Airbnbs or is it all sorts of rentals? 
Um, I mean, we post on several platforms, so it's, okay, it's okay. more just short-term rentals, but we post on like booking.com, VRBO, Airbnb, okay. it just, it serves several functions. We're trying to squeeze as much money out of these units. Yeah, for sure. Can. Okay. That's maybe we'll dive into that more. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. So what does your typical day look like? Like, what do you actually, like when someone asks you, what do you do? What what do you tell them? Like, what do you do? Because you have, like, yeah, like, a design side and the man, like, you have your own Airbnbs yourself, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of evolving as time goes on. I mean, you know, we're only about two years into this Airbnb game, and those two years have, you know, seen a lot of ups and downs just because of COVID and the travel industry stopping and things like that. And so, the way what I thought it was going to look like at the beginning ended up being very different than what it looked like in 2020 and will likely look extremely different in the last part of 2021 and 2022. Um, but my everyday kind of changes <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. Um, so all through 2020, because the travel industry came crashing down um, and we weren't making the kind of money that I expected to be making off of Airbnb, uh, we started designing for other Airbnb hosts. Um, and that was just kind so of So that was, that was out of just needing to pivot. That wasn't something that you were like, oh, I really want to do this. That was literally just pivoting. Yeah. Okay. Did not know yep. that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a, oh my gosh, I just started a business and put half a year's salary into these yeah. units. And now they're not going to make any money and I don't want to give up on them because I'm so sold on it. So it was like a game of scrambling, trying to see like, okay, this is the skill set I have. Let's see if I can find a niche that kind of serves uh, that skill set. And it I love that. Perfect. I did not know that. That's so cool. <laughs> okay, a, continue. A <laughs> yeah. A good panic movement, a good pivot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we started designing all through 2020, and that brought in a lot of unexpected income. Um, and I just, you know, didn't think, like in my own head, I was like, nobody's scaling up because, you know, it's a pandemic and we don't know how long this is going to last. But in reality, every other entrepreneur that fell in love with Airbnb before I did was waiting for the market to crash, for houses to go down in costs, for people to be desperate for units to be filled in apartment complexes. And so even though I wasn't scaling, there was a whole you know group of people that were exclusively scaling during 2020 instead of like refining their own business. Um, and so we just ended up you know spending all of our time connecting with those people and seeing if they needed help scaling quickly because you know, the install and design portion takes up a lot of their time and they don't want to spend their time doing that. They want to spend their time finding mm-hmm. new units. So, so we kind of partnered. Oh, that's with them so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a whirlwind, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like in 2020 during that time, there's so many businesses that actually did really, really well yeah. that people are not aware of. Like, obviously probably majority I would think would did it was not good like you're talking about with your properties right away but I think there's a lot of businesses that did do really well so that's cool that you were able to find your way in that space yeah Yeah, Yeah. go ahead we we've talked with a couple other people on the podcast just about like the niching factor and you found your niche in a very interesting way kind of out of like your own interest and like you said combining things you love but can you talk about like the specific niche of designing for Airbnbs, like the interior design, because we didn't say that we can just jump right in. But um, I I find it so interesting because it's probably 
so different because it's not the client's own space. So you don't have that like client working end as much either. Yeah. 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 Well, and it just, I agree with all of that. And it was a big reason why, like, you know, when I graduated from Kendall with an interior design degree, I left Kendall feeling really deflated almost because I was like, I don't want to do commercial design. Like I don't want to design cubicles. I don't want to do hospitals. I don't want to do schools. And I also don't want to be dealing with like your stereotypical, like rich woman who's hiring this designer, who's like very particular and maybe really (laughs) needy. And I'm like so relaxed and like not detail oriented and like not particular. And, and so I just didn't see myself like fitting into either one of those boxes And so I almost just like gave up on the idea of being an interior designer and I went into architecture because it was just more analytical, there was less client communication. And and so with Airbnb, it is super different because, um, you know, the client that you're working with ultimately doesn't really care how it looks at the end as long as you sell them on the fact that you understand what the general public is looking for when they're looking at Airbnbs. And that for me was very easy to understand because it's like people on who are shopping on Airbnb for a place to stay are looking for an experience. And so it's not so much like, oh, I don't like how this sofa feels or, oh, I don't like this color. It's like for an investor, all they really care about is how much money are we spending at the end of this? How can you help me save some money here and there? And then also, how is it going to translate from a marketing perspective online on the Airbnb platform? And so both of those things, I was like, I can do that. Like I can serve that clientele. And so it just turned into this really beautiful, like niche that fit exactly what I hated about all other forms of interior design. So, you know, it just scratched that itch all the way around. Well, yeah, you get to be, you get to be completely creative, but in the end, I think the, I don't know, the it'd be exciting that you need to be making your clients more money. So how can you do that by being extra creative with whatever the space is? Yeah. So that's so fun. Yeah. And it's just got a whole different set of needs. You know, it's like, you Mm -hmm. don't like when your client isn't one person or one company, your client is like travelers as a whole. Um, You can take that a lot of different directions. And so you get to kind of like push your clients into maybe niching down their own property and doing like themed units or super colorful units or, you just, there's a lot of like creativity, I guess, that goes into these that you get a lot of freedom of, you know, design that you wouldn't normally right. get in somebody's house or in somebody's restaurant. or. Well, and everyone needs to go check out your Instagram so they can see what exactly you're talking about, <laughs> which it's at Carwell Design, right? Yes. K-A-R-W-E-L-L? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Because yeah. um, it's, it's so, so fun to see all, everything's just completely different. And I think that What's really special about that is, yeah, the whole, I mean, think about if you're going to rent an Airbnb, you literally, I mean, I do, maybe maybe it's just (laughs) us kind of people, I don't know. (laughs) But when I go on there, I truly am looking for, okay, what's, what's the cutest Airbnb or the coolest, whatever it is, whatever we're doing that weekend, like, what is the space that I'm actually going to want to spend? And are the photos showing that like if they're bad yeah. photos and they're poorly lit and it's just doesn't look fun well then I just think it's going to be cringy and dirty <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah there's definitely you know all of those play a factor in it and a lot of times like the clients that we're dealing with they understand real estate investing to a certain degree but they don't understand interior design or like a user center perspective on interior design so they're not well, thinking about like, yeah 
Yeah, they're not thinking about like, okay, what are they seeing when they're scrolling on Airbnb or what's their experience when they first walk in or what kind of amenities can we make their stay? You know, they're just, they're not hotel experts, I guess you could right, say. Right, for sure. And so that kind of played a factor into why I enjoyed it so much too. It was like this design portion, but also this business portion that kind of paired yeah. when I was dealing with clients. So. so do you do mostly the design stuff or is it mostly renting out Airbnbs or is it seasonal in your, you know, I don't know, on the road for four months or something? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it's kind of shifting, to be honest. Um, So, I mean, Emily and I spent all of 2020 designing for other people because we needed that extra income. Like, And Emily's your business partner, right? With Carwell? Yep. Emily's my best friend and business partner. Um, And she just had graduated college in December. um, And she just couldn't, you know, when you go from graduating college December of 2019 to walking into a pandemic where all of a sudden there's no jobs and everybody's, you know, firing people. Like she had just gotten her master's and now she's got student loans to start paying off. And she's like, what do I do? And I was like, just come join me. And she was like, okay. (laughs) And ended up loving it. But um, with that being said, like, you know, she moved to Thailand um, earlier this, well, a couple months ago, I guess. Casually. (laughs) Casually Just to Thailand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we kind of shifted our business to be um, almost exclusive, well, now exclusively remote design instead of actually doing Mm. the installs themselves. Okay. Um, That must be really nice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's got its ups and downs for sure. Um, The install portion definitely took up the most amount of time and was definitely the most laborious portion of our job. But when we don't install, you lose that designer final touch. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, like, you don't see us advertising much of our work anymore because mm-hmm. we'll get it, like, you know, 80% of the way there. And then whoever the host is will, like, come in and put, like, you know, the typical, like, Hobby Lobby cursive signs oh, everywhere. No. And, like, no. There's <laughs> <laughs> some things where we're like, oh, well, you know, we got it 80% right. of the way there and we got paid to do it. So, yeah. So, we're kind of going back and forth now on, like, you know, when you guys talk about doing this podcast and talking to people um, who are entrepreneurs, but also talking to people who you're interested in what they're doing to kind of maybe better your own business. Um, we're trying to look at that too and trying to see if, you know, does it make sense for us to continue designing for other people or have we kind of gotten everything that we want out of that? And maybe it makes sense to hit a different niche market yeah. on the side as we start growing our Airbnbs. But as of late, we've just been, or I have just taken a step back from designing and really sunk in my teeth into my own properties now that travel is kind of back in full swing. You know, Delta could totally throw that off <laughs> the yeah. rails again. Knock on wood here. <laughs> We're right. in September 2021, yeah. just to give anybody perspective of what's going to happen in the future. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. I might go back to designing, but... Yeah. Um, I just wanted to spend the summer, one, traveling, uh, two, Emily had to, you know, get everything over to Thailand and get her whole entire life situated over there. And three, I just like wanted to make sure that I was maximizing the profitability of my own units because all of 2020, I basically ignored them. Like yeah. I was like, I can't even look over there because it's so bad. <laughs> so how many properties do you guys actually have? Uh, we have five, now six, assuming that the appraisal goes well today and we close on the house. That's so cool. we've got five that are running full-time currently. So how much time does it actually take you when you're managing your own properties? Like, what does that work look like? Do you hire out a lot of stuff? That's kind of a selfish question because 
It sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's honestly fully automatable. That was a really big reason why I decided to kind of chase Airbnb. Um, my husband has an insurance agency and he like really got me turned on to the idea of passive income because um, his clients, when he signs them up for um, the insurance that he sells, he mostly specializes in Medicare. He gets residual income every single month after he signs someone up. So every single person he signs up, he gets $20 a month for as long as they keep him as their insurance agent and they're alive, right? Because he deals with the senior market. So And they're alive. That's, yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> and it's no reason. Um, and so that kind of got the wheels turning with Airbnb. But the thing with his is if he doesn't continue maintaining that relationship with his clients, uh, mm-hmm. they usually fall off the books. So it's sure. not truly passive, right? There's some residual income in there, but he has to keep touching he his clients. to show up, yeah. And with Airbnb, it's truly passive. Like I can automate everything and not have to do any client communication at all. And I can still receive profit. So I can actually turn my phone off for a week and a half and nothing, like nothing's going to hit the fan. Because you you have other people that are doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. So management wise, I mean, you totally can do it yourself. It's not a full-time job to manage your own units. I like this summer, I could have easily like taken my units back and decided just to self-manage and save more money that way. But I knew that I was going to be in really remote areas for long periods of time. (laughs) Um, So I decided to um, hire, I had it with one management company. I decided to hire a new management company, just one that I thought would optimize my properties better. Um, But they handle everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Like they handle all client communication, they handle all cleaning coordination, they handle all restocking, they handle if anything breaks, they order a new one, they know who to call to put it together, like, it's out of my hands completely. And if there's some drastic issue where they're like, we could handle it two ways, they'll ask me, I'll tell them A or B, and then they'll move forward. I like want to hide this episode. So not everyone knows that, <laughs> knows that you can do that. <laughs> yeah, it literally seems Just kidding, not really. But <laughs> like after this summer, you know, all 2020, I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, you know, we didn't basically 2020 travel stopped. And I was like, I just didn't know what to expect with these properties. Because now we have, you know, five rents that we're paying every single month. And I didn't know if we were going to have anyone in these properties. Yeah. Um, But in reality, like we didn't make a whole lot of money, but we didn't ever have to come out of pocket. Right. So when you're looking at like businesses that went completely under businesses that were really in the red, um, we weren't there. So even though we saw probably the worst conditions we will ever see with travel, even though we might see them again, Mm -hmm. um, it still is one of those things that is like, I will keep continuing to grow this portfolio because if it's not, you know, even if I have a completely level year and I don't make any money that's okay. Like it's not costing me. Yeah. Okay. So one question based off of everything you just said that I think a lot of people would have myself included. So maybe this is selfish. So are all your properties, are those ones that you personally are renting or that you are owning? Because I think that like, look, I, I think I know the answer to this, but when I heard about it at first, I was like, how is she buying all these properties? Like, how does that work? I don't think I even knew that that was an option, I guess. Right. Yeah. So there's kind of two different uh, avenues that you can go about Airbnb. Um, one is called arbitrage and then one's owning slash the Burr method that we're just getting into now. But all of the properties that 
we have online currently we do not own any of them they are just so interesting what it's just re it's like we find a landlord uh we pitch it to them we see if they're on board with it and if they are and we get a yes um then we just furnish it and start re-renting it um and that's you know a lot of people start because it doesn't cost the same upfront investment that it does when you buy a property have a down payment on a house have to furnish like a three bed two bath Mm -hmm. Um, whereas you know with arbitrage you don't have any maintenance because you have maintenance people that are running the apartment sure you know it's a really good way to start yeah and you only usually have a smaller space to furnish so for sure um, so it was a really it's you know typically the way people get involved in airbnb is starting with arbitrage um with that being said it you know, the hardest part with arbitrage is getting a landlord to say yes. So, Mm -hmm. so many people just burn out in that phase right away because they'll get, you know, 15 no's in a row and they're like, this is ridiculous. How do you find this property? Um, And, you know, at that point you're just inexperienced and you don't know how to pitch it. And there's just a huge learning curve. So a lot of people just burn out right away, but I swear if people get over that hump, you will never go back. (laughs) So is it, is it just okay anywhere to do that or is there certain cities or restrictions with apartment complex or whatever like that I don't know if that made sense (laughs) no yeah it's a super common question but um yeah there is a lot of red tape um and that's another reason why people don't get into Airbnb it's one of those things where it's like if you're not willing to do the upfront work then the back end is just going to be an absolute nightmare yeah um but now as Airbnb kind of evolves and time goes on, it's just easier and easier to kind of do your due diligence on the front end and see if it's legal. Okay. Um, so for example, I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners are in Michigan mm-hmm. um, and I've just done a ton of research in Michigan now that we're, we're investing here. Um, but Michigan currently is, has the same regulation as Texas where um, Michigan as a state doesn't regulate Airbnb at all, but it allows each individual city and township to regulate it how they see right. it. Um, and right now, for the third time in Michigan, it's back up on the ballot to vote to um, not allow the cities to develop their own regulations, so it would be legal everywhere. Oh. Um, so we'll probably see so that. Maybe next- be a good thing. Yeah, it would be an amazing thing. Um, especially like in Grand Rapids, for example, they've just outlawed Airbnb altogether. Like what? Yeah. Unless it's like one room in your house, that's your full time. No yeah. You cannot Airbnb in Grand Rapids, but, or like in Charlevoix or Protoski. Yeah. I know Holland, have- Holland, where I'm from is, I know there's, it's like a little fuzzy, I guess. I used to be anyways. I don't know. I haven't looked into it that much, but yeah. Holland. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend Holland either. They've got some pretty strict regulations, but like Grand Haven, for example, has no regulation. So, <laughs> that's, not, that's not surprising. <laughs> right. Like, that's they're awful. like, we're like, bring it in. Like, we don't have a yeah. ton of animals. We do have a ton of tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I have a friend right now who lives in Grand Haven and they're turning their home into an Airbnb and probably are going to move away from Grand Haven and just run it as an Airbnb full time. Nice. Okay. Um, or like Petoskey, Charlevoix, Traverse City, they all have like a finite amount of permits. So yeah, maybe that's what it was in Holland that I was looking into. Yeah. So you basically have to get on a waiting list for several years and then get a permit and it's just what a pain. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a pain in the butt. And you know, it's, it's States being, you know, weary about it. It's neighbors who have had, not professional Airbnb hosts who have thrown huge parties, mm, kind of closet mm-hmm. at hotels that are upset. So there's 
always two sides to every coin. Right. There's valid reasons for sure. Yeah. But um, I think probably in the next year or year and a half, we'll probably see in Michigan where they'll just remove regulation altogether. Like they have in Arizona or Florida. Like those two states, you can just do whatever you want there. Yeah. No kidding. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so let's kind of talk back about passive income. Like, I know it's it's mainly Airbnb for you, but when did you kind of realize that that was so important to you in the life that you wanted, and how has that kind of transitioned over the last couple of years here? Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, when I started seeing Ethan's business build up some passive income and seeing, like, us just getting checks that, you know, he wasn't actually having to go to work for, and it was just additional on top of what he did every month, I was like, whoa, like the growth of this is so much larger than, you know, getting that 3% raise every year and just basically keeping you level with inflation. So you're stuck in the class that you're stuck in for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, Airbnb kind of scratched two itches. It was like, one, it was passive. So the more I built on it, the more money I would make permanently. Um, And two, I don't, understand the stock market very well. So for me, I was like, okay, how do I build some sort of a retirement portfolio that I understand that I feel confident Mm -hmm. in that I'm not relying on anybody else for. Um, And so both of those things kind of played a factor into why I started chasing Airbnb and passive income. Um, And especially over this last summer, it's just like, made me a million times more passionate about growing this business because you know, we've been living in a van and driving around road tripping for the last four months. And to be able to like, you know, I had no, I I mean, I had a hunch that travel was coming back, but I didn't know that it was going to come back as strong as it did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a hunch that, you know, no matter what, what we're making on Airbnb is going to pay all of our bills. You know, I'm going to be making more passively on Airbnb than I was at my full-time job. And I'm going to be on the road the entire time. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So we just got to like, you know, have the trip of a lifetime, you know, we got to complete basically an entire life's worth of a bucket list in in three months. And then with this whole Nicole situation happening, like, you know, I see all of my friends who are, you know, want to be there for her and want to support her and, and want to be by her side, but are constantly having to like, okay, we're on FaceTime for two seconds to like yeah. get away from our jobs, but then we have to go back and work and I don't get to enjoy this time like with Nicole, whereas I get to like, sit there and talk to her for two hours if I want yeah. to. And this is this is one of our friends that we went to college with who is, you can kind of shed some light on that if you yeah. want to. Currently, bit, but. yeah, recently diagnosed with leukemia and it's just like totally shook up our entire world. Um, but ultimately I'm like, holy cow. Like if I would have not set up this mm-hmm. Airbnb situation when I did, I would have had to decide between going back to Texas and working my full-time job and just praying for her from afar or now I can literally be wherever I want to be whenever I want to be there and be right by her side through all of it and not have to worry and try and decide between my livelihood and my friends yeah for sure it just it amplifies your why even more like why you're doing all this that's so cool yeah I love it so okay let's shift a little bit if someone's hearing this they're like okay yeah, I want to go. Let's, let's do this. How, where do they even begin? Where do they start? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's always different for everyone, depending on how much money you have to throw at it at the beginning and how confident you are uh, jumping into Airbnb. Like for me now, I'm so confident in it that like any money we throw at it, I'm like, it's going to make more money. But at the beginning, that's just not the case. 
Right. Um, so the easiest way, if you had absolutely no capital at all, you saw, but you had the vision of where Airbnb could take you. Um, the first thing you can do is offer to be a co-host for someone. Um, okay. And that just, it's essentially like a management company, but um, a lot of people who have Airbnbs, they don't want to hire a big professional management company because a lot of things slip through the cracks when you hire someone who's got 1,500 properties that they're managing. Sure. yeah. Um, and so you see a much larger return with someone who's less experienced, but more focused on your one property because it's not mm-hmm. rocket science. I mean, it's just, you what know, do people want to see. Yeah. I mean, you just got to check someone into a unit and you don't have to physically be there. You just have to be willing to talk them through it or willing to answer any questions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times people will get started that way where they will, for me, like when people are like, okay, how do I become a co-host? I always tell people to get on uh, Facebook groups. Like Facebook has some gold in there. I mean, if you, yeah. If you join some of these groups, there's like Airbnb automated or short-term rentals or Michigan short-term rentals, or, I mean, there's just hundreds of Facebook groups that are specifically catered towards Airbnb. And it's just like a giant bulletin board, basically of people being like, I need this, or I offer this or whatever. Seriously. And, okay. Yeah. And you can connect with other hosts on there and just, you know, when you see someone who's like, Hey, I need a co-host for Grand Haven, Michigan, it literally could be anywhere. I mean, you can co-host mm-hmm. anywhere in the nation. You don't have to be physically there, but typically it's a little bit easier if you're physically So what there. is, if anybody doesn't know what that is, what is co-hosting? Like what would that entail as far as your time and whatever? Yeah. So, I mean, you can kind of negotiate it um, with the person that you're deciding to co-host for, and it looks a little bit different for everyone. Mm-hmm. But essentially a co-host is the person who's going to be handling the day in and day out communication with okay. guests. So say person A has a house that they're renting out in Grand Haven, Michigan, but they have a full-time job and eight kids and a vacation that they want to go on and whatever else. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have time to be dealing with Karen over here who has a question about where the laundry goes when she's done with it. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And it's like very simple stuff, but you want someone who's basically on call 24-7 that's just going to be getting a random text message maybe once a day and they have to answer and deal with that text. Okay. Message. Okay. So we're not talking like, well, maybe it could be, but we're not talking like they have to go clean everything or whatever. No. Okay. No, that's usually a co-host. I mean, they could offer to clean if they right. wanted to make more money. Um, but a lot of, I mean, no, there's so many apps now like turnover BNB and tidy and whatnot, where it's just like a huge sea of cleaners that are like dedicated to Airbnb Crazy. and they like, you just like post it and you're like, Hey, yeah. I need a cleaner for 50 bucks. And you'll have like six people pop up and be like, I can clean it. And dang, another resource. Um, if you need side money, dang. But yeah, you basically are just handling the like online communication. So you don't have okay. to physically be anywhere. You just have to be willing to be on essentially call. be on call 24 seven to answer questions. Interesting. Um, okay. And with that, you usually take a percentage of their income. And so for a lot of people who want to eventually open up their own Airbnb, that's a very easy way to like get familiar with the learning curve of how the Airbnb platform works, mm-hmm. what kind of issues you're going to run into, what customers expect, you know, things to avoid. It's just like going to college for Airbnb, but getting paid to do it. Um, and then they'll just like take all of the money that they earn from co-hosting, put it in a savings account, and then eventually they'll start an arbitrage, which is gotcha. the second way you can get into Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. So that essentially looks like, again, you know, you're hunting down landlords. Um, my biggest piece of advice when it comes to like trying to find a unit to arbitrage is um, target one, find a real estate agent that handles leasing because they've got all the connections. You know, it's like you can try and find a needle in a haystack, but if you can just find a real estate agent that handles leasing and usually deals with privately owned apartment complexes, that'll just save you a ton of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, But two, definitely target privately owned apartment complexes. Hmm, Um, Because really large apartment complexes have really large management companies. It's nearly impossible to like figure out and have a meeting with the person who owns the complex. Whereas if you've got a smaller complex with like below 20 units, the mm-hmm. owner of that complex is usually pretty involved in how that complex is running. Um, and so it just, you know, you're having a conversation with the right person right away instead of jumping through so, so many hoops to try and get a yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, arbitrage, I mean, if you're doing a one bed, one bath apartment, you're looking at investing less than $10,000 to get it up and running. Like we've done some units that have cost as low as $4,000. So really, okay. Somewhere in that range. And then, I mean, you furnish it in a week, you put it online and you will make profit monthly. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I love it. And then third is obviously owning, buying a property and furnishing it and short term renting. Right. Which is what I think most people think that you have to do if you're going to do Airbnb or at least... I mean, just yeah. by following you, I knew that wasn't the case, but I think that I would have thought that previously. So yeah, and it is the most profitable, right? Of course, like right. It's like you're gonna make, you're gonna have your more. Like for us, when we rent and re-rent, I throw away like nearly six thousand dollars a month at mm-hmm. rent, mm-hmm. Um, and that's money I'll never see again. That's just money that I'm tossed into somebody else. Whereas right? now that we own a property, okay, it may cost us a hundred thousand dollars to get it started. But on the back end, your your all of your money is going towards yeah. your asset. Well, and you've only been doing this for not even two years yet, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, yeah. And one of those years was COVID. So. Right. Exactly. So all to say, like you, I don't know exactly if you started out doing the co-hosting or whatever, but if two years and during COVID, you can have a property that you're doing yourself. That's that's pretty quick turnaround for something like that. So yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. encouraging and to I, see. Yeah. And I mean, the way that we're like our, our arbitrage units that we're renting are 100% funding this house. So it's mm-hmm. not like we had to have any additional savings. It's right. you know, the money that we've earned from those properties is the down payment and the furniture awesome. and renovations for this right. house that we're buying. So it's like, so it just cool. kind of, as long as you're willing to put all of your income back into your business, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years down the road, what's it going to look like? Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. Okay. What is, we're going to kind of start to wrap things up a little bit, unless you had anything else that we missed. I'm trying to go through our questions. Um, But I guess what is the best piece of advice that you have about running your own business when you get started? It doesn't have to necessarily be Airbnb. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice that you have or that you heard from someone that was encouraging to you when you started? I think I have two. Okay. Um, one is patience. Um, for me, that was you the know, worst. <laughs> COVID, yeah, COVID forced that on me, but I needed that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had started one property before COVID hit, and we I was just running it full time, just kind of dabbling to see what kind of profit it would make. And I mean, when we scaled up, I scaled up so aggressively because I was like, I'm a millionaire now. 
Like, I, I'm, out, I'm done. Like, yeah. nobody can touch me. There are no problems. Like, people who think it's hard to be an entrepreneur, like, you don't even know. Like, we're then done. Here. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> then COVID. And that for me was such a humbling experience because, like I said, I thought I had it figured out. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, piece of cake. Um, and so it just really made me decide whether I was really cut out to be an entrepreneur or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think every entrepreneur probably goes through that in some form or fashion where you're just really tested um, to see whether you have the grit to grin and bear through some really, really crappy situations. Right. Um, and it's okay and if you don't. Like, yeah. it, it's not for everyone. It really, well, really, really is not. Yeah. And I think that it just kind of weeds out the people who, you know, are not truly passionate about it, who just wanted to get rich quick. And the people who actually, you know, want to be an entrepreneur and want to figure out those systems and pivot Mm -hmm. and and kind of get stuck in that chaos, that kind of fun chaos. Um, So definitely um, patience is probably my biggest one. I didn't Um, ask this earlier, but when, at what point in all of this, did you leave your full-time gig? Um, I left, so I, <laughs> I scaled up in March of 2020, the week before <laughs> and I straight up went to my boss, <laughs> granted, like me and my boss are two peas in a pod, like she's, you know, yeah, you liked your job. Yeah, I, yeah. I loved, I loved my job. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I had a beer fridge right next to where I was working. So Perfect. as far as corporate <laughs> America goes, like I had it made. Yeah. Um, and my boss was awesome. She gave me a ton of freedom. We would leave on Fridays at two to go drink. Like it was, it was totally my jam. But um, I walked in the week after I scaled up, and mm-hmm. I told my boss, "I'm done." Like I like tell tell the other bosses, I've got two weeks left. Like I'm yeah. on my way out. And then COVID hit the next week, and I had to go back to my boss and be like, "No, okay, I'm not done. Can I please keep my job?" Did not know that. No way. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And my boss was like, uh, yeah, like I would much rather. Yes, please. <laughs> and That's truth hilarious. Be, like, I didn't actually leave my full-time position until November of 2020. So it was. I did know, not know that. Okay. okay. Several months later where I was kind of balancing both trying to keep, mm-hmm. you know, my Airbnbs afloat, trying to start Carwell, trying to maintain my full-time job. Um, and it was just like complete complete chaos for a while and I mean I got super lucky because my boss was so understanding and she has low-key a couple airbnbs of her own too so she like okay she gets it. yeah <laughs> but yeah I didn't leave until November of 2020 and you know when I left it was because I had finally found a landlord who was willing to give us his entire building um yeah it was through COVID and his building had been sitting there vacant for like three months he's like all right let's we need to try something yeah and um and so he was like you can have all 12 units and I was like I can only afford to furnish like one (laughs) like I am not in a financial spot to furnish 12 units and 12 rents even though I think that this is going to make insane money like I'm just not there Mm -hmm. um and so I reached out to a bunch of other Airbnb hosts that I had met through these Facebook platforms and podcasts mm-hmm. and things like that. And I was like, guys, I need a group of you to be willing to sign leases contingent on me designing them. I design it. Brilliant. I love yeah. it. So I, yeah, I quit once I had all 12 leases signed and had, you know, two months worth of work stepped up. That's awesome. Okay, sorry, I just completely interrupted your advice <laughs> on that tangent. I don't even advice. remember my second one now, though. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. 
you said patience first, and then you said you had another one, but that was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> if you think okay, of it. So it doesn't matter, I guess. Patience is a big one. <laughs> All right. So before we close things up, we're going to give you a couple rapid fire questions, and then we're going to just kind of share where everybody can find you and all that kind of stuff. So you ready? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Okay. What's your favorite business software? Business software. Yes. Wow. Uh, Not Zencaster. <laughs> I was going to say probably uh, the the app I use the most is Smart BNB. Um, okay. It's just a place where you know when you have um, your units posted on several platforms like Peerspace, BRBO, Airbnb, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart BNB is a calendar that syncs everything up. So when brilliant. Yeah, when you book, when somebody books on Airbnb, it goes through Smart BNB and then it immediately crosses those dates off on BRBO and vice it's versa. It's like an inventory tracker, but for rental nights. Yep. <laughs> it gives you all of your analytics and how much money nice. you made. And it just, it's like the most robust, you know, piece of technology that Airbnb is kind of partnered with. Yeah. So that's the thing that I use by far most often i feel like that would be next to impossible to do without something like that yeah yeah that or there's another one called air dna um and that website you can log on and you can have like some really quick free analytics of different cities Mm -hmm. so you can type in holland michigan and it would give you like a snip of the average occupancy average profitability okay how many units are in that area um but you can also sign up for a subscription and you can literally look at other people's specific Airbnb analytics. So you can click on a property that's your biggest competition and you can see how much money they're making, really, like how far out they're occupied, reviews, all the things. That's awesome. That probably is very helpful getting started and knowing where to be. So cool. Okay. (laughs) You don't have a desk, I don't think right now. So (laughs) maybe this question isn't valid. How many sticky notes are on your desk? Or how many (laughs) notebooks do you have? Or something like that. Zero. (laughs) Zero. I basically work for my cell phone. So I have a cell phone and an iPad. And that's the only two things that I carry ever. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. (laughs) Do you have like a notepad on your iPad? (laughs) I have nothing. That's hilarious. I I love it. Nothing at all. I just, yeah, I just work in smart BMB every day. And that's about it. (laughs) Not a whole lot else. Kelsey's (laughs) just shaking her head this is ridiculous <laughs> uh, okay if you could fly anywhere right now where would you go very interested to hear this answer Ooh, fly anywhere honestly probably italy yes um uh, emma, for those of you who don't know on the podcast <laughs> emma and i went to italy together we did a study abroad trip yes um, we, did. we were supposed ethan and i were supposed to spend this summer in europe actually Ugh. um we were gonna do a, like a four to six month Europe adventure um, yeah. and I'll probably do it next summer but he's never been to Europe and I didn't want to take him to Europe during COVID I like want him oh, to have yeah. a full Europe experience so um yeah if I could fly anywhere right now I'd be back to Europe that'll like, be so Europe. fun to do that yeah I want to take Ryan there but he's like anti-Europe for whatever reason <laughs> for whatever <laughs> reason <laughs> so lame yeah. he uh, that way with China he's like very anti-China yeah all right. Um, how many unread emails are in your inbox right now? Ooh, zero. What? <laughs> zero unread emails. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, We're just going to end email. this call right now. Yeah, so you do all your communication through that then too. 
Well, I mean, the only communication that I have is from my management company or from like other things that I'm doing. So my email, I mean, I'll wake up and I'll have like maybe two or three and it'll be rare emergencies. But just just laughing at Kelsey's reactions right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Our <laughs> whole audience is just going to quit and do yeah. air <laughs> I'm not going to, we're not going to air this episode for a couple months so that we could take advantage of it first and then... <laughs> There's so much room here, though. So, yeah, like, you know, yeah. people are always so concerned about competition. And, like, oh, people no. are like, oh, my gosh, why did you, like, hand off 11 of these units in this complex? And I'm like, guys, you don't understand. Abundance like, mindset. Yeah, there is so much space here for yes. people to jump in. Like, Airbnb has released several statements this year that are like, look, the supply is way lower than the demand. Like, people need to be pushing out more units. And I'm yep. like, done. <laughs> done. Let's go. All right. How many beverages do you have out at once typically? It's Ooh. the question is on your desk, but <laughs> typically two. Yeah. Um, what are... <laughs> water during the day and alcohol at night. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. I don't do juice. I don't do anything like that. I just do water alcohol. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. All right. That is the end of our rapid fire questions. Let's give everybody places to find you. Break yourself up. I know you just launched a course slash class that you just recorded. So tell everyone about that. Where can they find that? Any other resources? All that. Yes. Well, first, the design side of things is at Carwell Design or CarwellDesign.com. Um, that's where we handle all things design. So if you're looking for outsourcing the design portion of your Airbnb, you can find us there. Um, as far as the course goes, we just developed a course this summer. It's a three hour course um, with a ton of resources attached to it. Um, that goes over all things beginner Airbnb level. So it's like an Airbnb 101 class. Um, we talk everything from how to get started to different tools that you're going to use to what you can expect to invest versus what you can expect to make. Um, so just kind of a three hour, really intense, all things you need to know before you start class. Um, I'm so that, excited about that. Yeah, I think that I've been talking to you about you need to do that right now for <laughs> I don't know how long. But. Yeah. And in there, we include um, our entire supply list. We include an Excel PL file um, for people who are getting started. We include a um, an example pitch that I was given when I first started. So when people are looking to get into arbitrage, they have mm -hmm. like a jumping off point on what a lease might look like or conversations might look like when they um, go in to negotiate with landlords. Um, every single tool that we use, every single app, website, everything, everything. is kind of included in that. Literally um, everything. And similar classes that I've taken that offer very similar tools are like a thousand dollars plus, and we're yeah. offering it for fifty bucks. So ridiculous. So get on it right now, people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just kind of our passion project, this whole education side of things, because mm -hmm. I am just like so excited about it. I can see that it's just like going to flip our lives upside down. And I just want as many of my friends and family on board as I possibly can. So I'm just so we like, can look, I'll just have parties at the lake all the time. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go along together. Like, let's do Europe. And, or, or yeah, uh, Europe. Europe would be better. <laughs> I'm ready to go. And I don't want to do it alone. So I'm ready yeah. for other people to join me. But to get that class, um, just shoot me an email at sarahglidewell at outlook.com. Um, with your Venmo included in it, and I'll just request the money and send you guys everything over. 
very casual, <laughs> not Perfect. professional at all. <laughs> um, and that's about it. If you have any questions. What's your personal it. Instagram for people to find that? My personal Instagram is at Sarah Doan Glidewell. Okay, um, and we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Before you try to spell that out. Awesome. <laughs> so good. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. I, like I said, I'm already just going to take all this info and run because we've been talking about it. So, yes. anyways, so thankful and just, yeah, just happy to know you and know all these questions and answers and all the things. So, thank Absolutely. you for joining us. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been so fun. It's always fun doing things that are kind of full circle. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We know you have just gained so much knowledge from Sarah and you just got this for free. So go freaking buy that course because it's going to give you so much more info. Um, and yeah, make sure if you are loving what you've been hearing that you hit subscribe, give us a rating review, all the things you can find Kelsey and I at the foyer underscore and yeah, I think that's all the things. We will catch you next time. See you later.